Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Time all game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. I'm Kelly Bright alongside Jack Roche, and for the first time in WFUV Pick and Pod history, so I'm told, Dylan Balsamo is also joining us. That's correct. That's correct. And this was... A bucket list. Yeah, item so for you? so I should explain. So if if you're an FUV fan, you've definitely heard my voice before, uh, and you, you've probably heard it in a in a weird variety of places lately. And the reason for that is so you know the three of us here we all uh, finish up here at FUV in about a month's time. Crazy. And so about two months ago, I uh, I messaged our our sports manager Alex Wolves, who does staff assignments and everything, and I gave him a bucket list of things I wanted to do before we graduate. And uh, there were a variety of podcasts I need to show up on. I showed up on Five on Three one more time. I was on FUVFC last week, and here I am on, on Pick and Pod as well. I would love to do a podcast of like a topic I know nothing about, and just try and blend it. Like, well, do I, th- I thought about yeah, I thought know? about doing I thought about doing on the green for that reason, but I felt like that'd be disrespectful. Yeah, I, to I'm a just new thinking. Podcast. Anytime I've been one on one and had to talk about hockey, and <laughs> th- I listened back one time, and I literally was like, "Well, I think all they need to do." Is just get the puck. It's just in score the back more, of the score net. more goals. I did something. Well, like that's that. the thing is, like, I actually do know a bit about hockey, but I just somehow never wound up with the rotation of that podcast, and which is like, I'm not mad about it. I just wanted to be on it. Just I to did prove that I could once do with it. hockey, like one on one, and then we, we can talk about basketball after this. But <laughs> it was like the Rangers had just hired Gallant, yeah, new head coach, yeah, and it was me and Chris Hennessy. So I would just <laughs> so whenever, whenever, yeah, whenever a thought along. crossed my mind, and I was like, oh, I know about this i was like oh so you know uh david quinn or whatever he coached at bu right and it would just spiral <laughs> oh this that's whole great news. well yeah i re- i always get into this thing where it's like and maybe you'll see it a little bit today and like uh, like i know i like to think i know my stuff about the nba but i'm a little i'm you a little better. less confident about it so i'll just like I'll, I'll, I'll be i'll be very hesitant to like say a very obvious thing you know what i mean well see when i looked at who was on uh, the show this week. I just knew it was going to be an entertaining episode. So, Definitely. So even if we don't really get into a lot of basketball, I, I'm sure this is going to be a fun one. And that's really all that counts. And at the end of the day, like you said, the three of us are, our days are running out here. Yeah. Time is flying by. So this might be really sentimental, but I'm glad that we're getting to do the show together before uh, we have our final calls for WFUV. But enough about that. Let's talk about basketball because that's why we're here. <laughs> And this is the most fun part of the season. We're in playoffs. And I'm very excited to announce that the first team to be ousted of the playoffs, wow. the Brooklyn Nets, by Jack Roshanai's very own Boston Celtics. So we're going to talk about that series first. Like I said, Boston sweeps Brooklyn 4-0. That game four was 116-112. Jason Tatum putting on a clinic 29 pounds. 29 points. He put on 29 pounds? <laughs> Can you imagine? So he might be that's even better da- That's than. Daniel Day-Lewis he level might dedication. might be even better than uh, Jalen Brown, 22. Marcus Smart, 20. All around solid team effort. Jack, I'm going to start with you because you were 
there, I believe. And you actually saw you've got you followed the Nets all season, but you also got to see them implode in mm-hmm. the postseason. What was that like? And especially just watching this Nets team who originally had such high aspirations really just fall apart. Yeah, I, I feel like the Nets and the Celtics were kind of on like reverse trajectories. Yes. Because the Nets were the number one team in the East throughout December. And once the new year came, you know, they they were fighting to be a play-in team, not even a straight-up playoff team. And the Celtics, meanwhile, after December, they became the best team in basketball. Yeah. And they're the only team in the playoffs that have yet to lose a game. Um, after game one, I think it kicked in that, oh, wow, the Celtics could pull this off. And then game two happens, and you're like, all right, well, it's in Boston. They win game one, game two, then they go to Brooklyn. But game three, the Nets really, in game three and four, there was no point where I was convinced that the Nets were going to win this game because in game three, after the first quarter, they didn't have a lead all game. And in game four, they didn't have a lead at all. After game three, after the first quarter of game three, the Nets did not lead for a second of basketball. And I got to say, I'm not particularly surprised because this was sort of a stitch-up job as the season went on. There was no time to gel. There was no continuity. And the the saving grace of the season in Ben Simmons didn't even play a single game. <laughs> yeah. I, I do have a question for you, Jack, before I, I jump in here. Um, so we talked about how you covered the Nets all year, but obviously, you know, your heart's with the Celtics. But I'm sure you had some kind of emotional attachment to the Nets just because of how much you were around them this year. Mm-hmm. D- did you find any kind of inner conflict in yourself during this series? <laughs> was there any part of you that, like, maybe felt a little bit bad for the Nets while this was going on? So at the beginning of the series, I said to myself, because I was following the whole seeding thing pretty qu- like closely. Yeah, of course. So when I realized that the Celtics were going to play the Nets, I tried to look at it as like a win-win situation because either my team advances in the Celtics or I get to cover more basketball. That's very true. That's a so great way to look as at the it. game, that's very glass half full. Thing. That know? was great. Yeah. As game four ended, I was honestly pretty, um, you know, emotional because it, you know, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. I was like, oh wow, this is the last NBA game I'm going to cover for the station. So. Yeah. No, it's 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 rough. But more about your your (laughs) no, but not now. Back to me. We've talked enough about you. No, it's it's interesting that you mentioned um uh uh, the fact that it it became very clear the two of these teams were going to meet and how they're coming in opposite directions. It almost feels like they were destined to meet at this point because they played last year and they and they played last year. Like everything just lined up so perfectly. And of course, the Kyrie storyline was. It looked like it was going to be a bigger deal coming into the series when it seemed like it was going to be a very evenly matched thing. And at least after that first game, you're like, oh, we're about to get seven great games of basketball. And then you know, obviously, we didn't get that. But nevertheless, uh, and, and you talk about implosion uh, for the Nets in the playoffs. It felt like they had like eight mini implosions during the regular <laughs> season fair. anyway. You know That's what I mean? Fair. Like like they never were able to play like a consistent month as the best team in basketball. You know what I mean? And it, it is it, it's very unfortunate to see. And, and it's and I'm sure we're about to get into like what exactly went wrong with the Nets in this whole because this was really kind of the last shot at this 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 version of this team. Get it, getting a run at things, so it, it's it was what difficult do you mean to by see. That? Well, I so it fe- it feels to me like we've just hit the death, of, like that that was the final installment of any type of super team right there. Like I don't think it's going to happen again. So you don't think? I think that this team with Ben Simmons is like a, 
a championship team. So, so <gasps> you, you think they just felt? I uh, really see. Yeah, totally. At least I did. Well, a bit, but at least to finish my point here, um, you know, the Celtics just proved that they were the better team, and they proved to be the more consistent team, and they proved to be the better defensive team, and we know what defense does in the playoffs. So, you know, it uh, all the all the. All the factors put together make sense, but you know, if you follow the Nets closely enough, like emotionally, it's very difficult to grasp with the fact that things happened the way they did. Yeah, I completely agree. And before, right before we break down more of what went wrong with this Nets team, I do want to give a shout out to Ime Udoka, who I think uh, coaching in Boston, Jack, Jack, and I know this. It's very difficult because. Boston fans are relentless. I know New York fans are, are the same way. Like yeah. they're they're very critical. It's, and you know their, what? It's a little different though. I've noticed. It's a little. I, we want more. It's a little know? different. We expect I mean, you expect. Yeah, you Boston know that's a win, big difference. Boston wins a little more frequently, so you know there, there's that. In basketball, definitely. Yeah. In in most sports, well, what sport sense. is it? Well, sports, well, no, for, for the last <laughs> decade and a half, totally. I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah. All right. Last decade and a half. Well, but, Dylan, unfortunately, I didn't see uh, Mickey Mantle play baseball. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, but we can't deny he did. <laughs> um, it wasn't Willie, Mickey, and the Duke, and I don't know Carly Stremski. Yeah, like, back no, when there's... Old Hoss Radborn threw six hundred <laughs> innings <laughs> in the glory days. No, but I, you talked about full circle and how the destiny and that kind of thing. I think people forget that Ime Udoka came from the Nets. Yeah, he was an assistant under Steve Nash. So seeing him come into this series and coach this, because you look at how the defense they played. Yes. It is the players, but also it's a lot of the coach and mm-hmm. how you get your players to buy in. And just the way the coverages and the looks they put up against Kevin Durant. I mean, KD had an off se- an off series, and he had, I mean, he had 30, 39 in one of the games, I think, but or 29, something. He, he did like have that. a good – but I don't think it was much – I don't think it was as much as he struggled as much as it was – the defense they put on him was so effective. Shut down. That it was they that took good. they took Brooklyn's best player basically out of the game. Yeah. He was he was basically a non contender. So I, I, I think that is a huge testament to the coaching there and, and maybe he learned things while he was coaching Durant or maybe maybe it's just what he's gotten out of his the the what he's gotten out of his players in this second half of the season. But I thought that was really cool to watch and and for me as a Celtics fan, knowing that they're potentially going, probably going to play the Bucks in the next round, if they can shut down Giannis the way they shut down Kevin yeah. Durant, that gives me hope as a Celtics fan. Now, going into the Nets, because I do want to break this down, and you said the perfect word, Jack, earlier, and that was gel, because that yeah. is the same word that Kyrie Irving used in a post-game press conference, basically blaming the NBA for the reason that their team wasn't able to gel, because he couldn't he couldn't play because of the NBA. Hey, could I ask you guys a question? Do you think if the vaccine was a gel, Kyrie would have taken it? Oh. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I like that question. Yeah. No, we'll, we'll talk more about you, it later. You really only you ask the hard hitting ones. I do. I do. I I, I'm I, I'm I'm a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a journalist, Kelly. I, I ask the hard questions. Oh, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> but but I want to talk about Kyrie and I'm I'm not someone who likes to just spew hate on his name just because he's Kyrie and he's he's an interesting character, but I I do think it there comes a point when when you're a star player and your team falls this short of expectations, you need to take some accountability. And he didn't really do that in the in the post game press conference. He he, I mean, I understand as a human being you have you have a right to your decisions and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, you can't blame the NBA. And their rules and Brooklyn. This in kind of did in game in three. New York. Yeah, I he kind of he kind of did. But at the end of the day, you yeah. got it. Like, someone that was like 
listening to it live. Yeah. And I'm not going to say I was That's there fair. because the Nets, they, they do it on Zoom. But as someone that was in the Zoom call, um, <laughs> he, he did take a bit of, of responsibility saying that he, he could understand why he was a bit of a distraction. He did. Yeah, right. yeah. that's that's fair. But that does that also doesn't stop you from being a distraction. You know what I'm saying? He said like, "Sorry, kind of." You know? Sorry, yeah. Kinda. No, he's like, you say sorry, kind of, but like that doesn't that doesn't make it better. He also said he was going to manage the franchise next year. But he's the franchise so. player. He is a franchise player. He's he, was, played, he was supposed to do that in the first place. Yeah. He's only played 103 games in three years. He's a franchise player. Him and KD are franchise cornerstones. When you have guys like LeBron and Dwayne Wade saying that this is a more skilled duo than the two of them in the past in Miami, you know, that that, that doesn't just happen on accident, okay. you know? Okay, yeah, but you, we can talk about skill as much as we want. If you're not able to, like, translate that into both of you being on the court at the same time, it does, you know, whether that be injury or, you know, making your own personal choices, and Kyrie was already weird enough when he was a flat earther, and then all this <laughs> happened. So, uh, I'm I'm all for making fun of that guy, but like if if you can't translate that into something on the court, then then what are we even talking about? You know what I mean? I'm a Kyrie believer. You're a Kyrie believer. I believe that the Earth is flat. No, I. I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't he's know. a disciple. I think he's that he's dis- Kyrie. I don't know. I feel like he's. I think he means well. I think he's an incredible player, and yeah. we saw right. at moments he he flashed that throughout the series. He had great you know? stats. He did. Yeah, in yeah. the games he played this year, great stats. Yeah, it's 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 undeniable that he is yeah. a good basketball player. Jack, I do also want to ask you about Simmons because I All remember right, the last go. podcast yeah. we did together. You said, and and we talked about this right before we went on air. Whichever team gets their player back first, whether that be Robert Williams or Ben Simmons, is going to win the series. Robert Williams came back, and now he wasn't 100%, and he didn't really have that much of an impact, but he did come back first, and the Celtics did win. However, I do want to talk about your appreciation, Mm -hmm. we'll call it, for Ben Simmons, because I'm not sure that sentiment is shared by many at this point. Um, I just want to get your take on the whole drama, for lack of a better word. I really don't know what to call it. So much drama. Of him basically... Basically, his mental health, back pain, whatever you want to call it. Not Basically, I just want to ask you about your opinion on him not playing in that last game. Okay. And also showing up wearing just like Elton John. Because, well, that was game three yeah. because did you see what he wore game four? What did he wear game four? Nothing because he wasn't sitting on the court. Oh. oh. That I was got me, upset Got me about. good. I was upset right about that. <laughs> he said Because game that. three, I... That is a very Elton John move, though, is to just like not show up <laughs> like when everyone's expecting... <laughs> I must say. Um, I really have no idea because we've heard so many conflicting reports and things from the team and things from the media. It's very difficult to really gauge what's true and what's mental and what's physical and what's this and that. Steve Nash noted after game four that there was a mental – no, before game four that there was a mental – um, it's not strictly physical. Part of why he wasn't playing is mm-hmm. mental. Um, so it's really tough to gauge that when we don't know who to trust. What I will say is I think that he's going to be – he's going to have a redemption season next year. Yeah. Okay. I, I think he's a great player. Sure. Like I think that he's – I don't know. For a team that struggles defensively 
and could use more playmaking and versatile like versatility right. in their lineup. When you get a guy that's an all NBA player, an all uh-huh. defensive player, averages seven assists per game, you know, that that fits a lot of the needs that this Nets team has. Yeah. I mean like and I don't think anyone's counting out the possibility of him having kind of a redemption season. I hope that happens. And also, you know, we we definitely do not want to blame anybody for mental health issues. Exactly. That's an important, you know, nuance we need to have here, I think. Um, that said, the Nets have just not proven organizationally that they really mm-hmm. care about getting that, to go back to the word gel, about making that work. Um, and until we see that, I'm going to continue to have my doubts about it. You know what I mean? That's fair. And you know what? I, you're not the only person that feels that way. Definitely, yeah. I, I think that there was a lot of frustration at just, I, I mean, the the team, you look at the D'Angelo Russell-led Nets, where they squeaked into the eight seed. Yeah. They won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? If if him and Tamari Carroll and Alan Crabb and these guys who aren't even on NBA rosters anymore can win a single playoff game why can't a team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving do it? That's the frustrating part. Is that right. as good as these Celtics are, and they're you know I don't want to discount any how good they've been defensively, specifically since the turn of the calendar to 2022. The Nets are not that much worse of a team than them that they would get swept in that series. So it just like it just se- it just seemed like an improper showing for a team that you know obviously we've had big expectations for since the night James Harden was traded there, even before that. Truly. Right. Yes. So no, I, I think this series is literally a microcosm of their entire season. Definitely. Like, Definitely. It, it, like they had all these expectations. And even, I, I mean, I'm a diehard Celtics fan. I'm very biased. I admit that. And <laughs> even I was like, oh, it's going to a game seven. It like, must. Show it up. must. Especially but, that first game. Are you oh kidding me? God. Oh, I, and yeah, even after that first yeah. game, I was like, all right, like, Especially. it's going to go back and forth. But to be swept, it's just, it's mind blowing to me. And I think it's also interesting that in a few months, when. Again, way too early. We talk about next year's season and the next year's uh, contenders and that kind of thing. Looking at the roster, that, assuming that they keep most of the guys they have now. I mean, I think they're at four restrict, uh, free agents in the offseason. But assuming that, let's say, they keep Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons, how do you not consider them a championship contender? Of course. Of course. That's what's mind-blowing to me is if they keep the same team that just was the first team eliminated from – the 2021-2022 playoffs next year i think if we if the three of us are sitting in a room in in 4 months we still consider them at least like playoff favorites if not championship that's crazy favorites. isn't that you're totally point? right you're no, totally absolutely. right but they need i think it's it's the fact i i mentioned how this boston celtics team is only as good as they are now because of their struggles in 2021 yeah when they were a 500 basketball team they needed that to happen to become the team they are right now and the Nets were perpetually in their 500 Celtics form you know yeah as they were doing this you know spotty kind of band-aid patch you know like okay Kyrie can play some games we're bringing him back and yeah then he can play every game and then but Kevin Durant's hurt and it, it was just it wasn't their season and I think if you get a big three of Kevin Durant Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving in off season to to sit down and say, how are we going to pull this thing off? I think that makes them, honestly, they could be favorites out of the East after getting swept in the first round. One hundred percent, I I completely agree with this. You know, every like you look at most any championship team, like they all need the one year to like it almost. Ne- 
I can't think of almost any example of, of a team in, in any North American professional sport that does that just clicks in the first year. It almost never happened. The 09 Yankees did it in the first year. Celtics did it. The Celtics did it. Okay. Yeah. Well, every, I, I think this Celtics team is a lot like the 07. They're, 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 that, they're very similar, note. yeah. But like every team needs their adjustment period. Uh-huh. It's different for, you know, we talk about uh, LeBron and Dwayne Wade earlier, their adjustment was there losing in the NBA Finals. Yeah. <laughs> which is, it's, <laughs> that's quite a high place to start. But they proved that they could do more than that after, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every team does need that adjustment. And this Brooklyn Nets team is, you know, we've talked about this for the last, you know, three or four years of a changing in the culture of the Brooklyn Nets and, and the way we talk about them and the way we think about them. And there still seems to be just a little bit of growing pain in that area. They, But the, the franchise as its own has arrived in the national aura, if that makes any sense to say. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I would love to see them come out top in the East next year. It would be great to see, and it's not unreasonable to think it might happen. I completely agree. And now... I, I want to transition. There's no not really a smooth way to do this, but I want to transition to a team that has been trusting the process for much longer than even the Brooklyn Nets have, and that is the 76ers, who currently lead their series against Toronto 3-2. to two. But it's important to note that they were leading that series Ooh. 3-0 <laughs> and now have to go to Toronto for a Game 6 in which the Toronto Raptors have all of the momentum, all of the morale, and the Sixers have... That very scary trio of Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, and James Harden in a playoff environment with a with a series on the line. So, um, should the Sixers be worried? A team that went into this thinking that after three games they were just gonna shake, you know, wipe off their hands and walk away, should they be worried? I have no idea. <laughs> I am I'm struggling That's so fair. hard That's to get totally a game cuz after every game I'm like okay this is when James Harden has his you know return to to old form game and he has some absurd like 30 point 10 assist you know comeback but it hasn't happened. Yeah. I, I remember there was a take um someone said that James Harden shooting stats look like concert tour dates. <laughs> <laughs> I that's not original. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! Whoever but, said that? Oh, they deserve it, all the credit. That's oh, great. It was. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you in like two minutes. Um, <laughs> I need to remember. I've got it. In my no, head. no, go look it up if you need to. Um, but it was Jalen Rose, according to our producer Tyler. Uh-huh. I knew it. I knew it. Um, but you know the the tour continues because the the stats aren't getting any better. Um, and as someone that owns more than one James Harden jerseys, you bring that up every time you're on because the show. it is a testament to <laughs> my weird faith, flex. my it's faith flex. in James Harden. And one of them you happens- talk you talk about it like it's stocks. To be quite honest, <laughs> yeah. I well, thought he was about to say I he's as a an big owner. In, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> That's Harden exactly where stock. I thought you were going. Listen, there's a commitment. Okay? <laughs> 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 I really want to see him. You know, have some like. Houston Rockets type game. Yeah, definitely. And I- I'm expecting the same out of Embiid, but it hasn't happened yet. So I don't know. I think that Embiid's definitely hurting. He's got the the thumb. Uh, there's some tear going on that he said he's going to play through. But you know, it- it's <laughs> I don't know. I I've thought that Philly's going to win it all. Yeah. When they made the trade. I put money on them to win it all when they made the trade. Oh, there it is. There's the money. Okay. Yeah, but the thing about James Harden is that like that trade happened so late 
that you know like it it just does not give a team enough time to mm-hmm. like you know the trade deadline is where it is for a reason um but you know even regardless of that th- th- that's just not enough time for you know a team to kind of figure out what their their MO is and you know for to immediately have to jump into this playoff series where they now find themselves you know not with their backs against the wall but you know it's a very difficult situation and they look terrible in game 5 they looked mm-hmm. awful in game 5 and now they got to go back to Toronto are you kidding me they left this series wide open for the raptors it's up to the raptors to you know kind of decide their own fate at this point because uh, they as you mentioned they have all the morale and all the momentum i but i still have no idea what's going to happen but like you look at this philly team i think they can you know they'll have to play miami in the next round if if they move on it's going to be a good series but like they got to get out of this first and you know it's difficult to have, you know, you get that battle tested in the first round, but they're going to have to do it now, and it's their own fault. Yeah, and you want to talk about battle tested. I My heart goes out to Joel Embiid yeah. because that man has to be full-on exhausted. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. I, even just watching him in that last game, 20 points, 0-4 from three, he just looked tired. And I don't blame him because, first of all, like you mentioned, he's playing injured, and you I think you can tell offensively he looks very hesitant mm-hmm. and that he's th- that's not his style of play. Like usually he's very aggressive to the rim. That's that's kind of his st- like that's his style. That's what he's known for. So, I do think that minor injury is playing a big role, but also like he's just he looks tired and frustrated and when your number 2 guy in James Harden is taking fewer shots than Danny Green. Mm-hmm. Danny Green took 10 shots Danny Green took 10 shots, Harden took 11. That's Oof. that's really concerning. It's brutal. And yeah. to me, what we're seeing from Harden is he's not getting downhill and he's not he's not doing much in transition. He's not getting to the paint. He's settling for these step back jumpers which yeah, it's f- like he's known for his step back shots whatever, but in 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 this playoff situation when he's not hitting those shots, I mean, he was only 4 of 11 from the field uh in game 5. Embiid, Embiid has to carry so much more of a workload, and to me, that's just not sustainable. We're probably not going to get time to talk about this later on in the episode, but I was watching the Pelicans and Phoenix Suns game last night. I have a friend on. I always shout this out. I have a friend on the Pelicans. You say so. the friend, but then you don't say his Trey name. Murphy. There Trey we Murphy. Go. He <laughs> only played like five minutes, but I, I always watch their games. That's cool. Good for him. And I remember Jose Alvarado on the Pelicans mm-hmm. is playing the best lockdown defense on Chris Paul right now, and mm-hmm. Whoever produced the game did a great job because they kept getting these shots of Chris Paul, hands on his knees, trying to catch his breath. Like, I'm, by halftime, he was gassed. And I remember some of the commentators were talking about, like, is this going to be a problem later on? Like, he's already old. He's already injury prone. When, you, when, you, when you're this number one guy for your team, and in similar situation, I mean, for... Uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker's obviously out, so he is also like him be carrying more of that load. Is that going to hurt them on? This is only round one. Is yeah. that is that going to catch up? So that's something I'm worried of, worried about for Embiid moving forward. Now, do I think the Sixers are going to come out of this? Yes. Tyrese Maxey is the reason why. He played night and day from games one and two compared to three and four. One and two, played like Tyrese Maxey has all season. Hit his shots, was clutch, created for his teammates. Three and four, couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. So I don't think that's sustainable. I think he's going to step up. Philly's bench was not good in Game Five. I don't expect that to be. Um, I don't. I, I don't think that's going to be a consistent issue for them. And also, you look at the Raptors, and they had guys like Precious Achua playing like, like they were an all like he's an All NBA player. And again, like, what are the odds they're going to be able to do that for two more games? Not very high. Well, you, M- Matisse Tybel's out. 
because he can't play in Toronto for <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Game that, six. Yeah, he's not <sighs> vaccinated either. There it is. Um, there it is but right here, there. here's my prediction: James Harden's gonna have a crazy game because Embiid's been calling. I'm not even gonna look at our producer Tyler Ho, who is uh, the most New York sports fan that I've seen. Uh, um, I I really. Why did you just let that divert you? You were you had you were making such a good point, and then you just you know diverted, and now you have to like take a breath. Why would you do that to yourself, James Harden? <laughs> Is going to listen to the feedback that Embiid's been giving him. Be aggressive. Embiid's been saying it in all these press conferences. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There's a difference between Ben Simmons and James Harden. Because last year, Embiid was telling Ben Simmons to be aggressive. James Harden made a whole career out of being aggressive and being the guy with the ball. So I expect him, especially, I know that Tybal doesn't give you a lot on offense, but... I, I just expect James Harden to at least be aggressive. I'm not saying he's going to make all the shots. I'm not saying he's going to have 40 points, but I expect him to have the ball in his hands more for Game 6. I think if you're a Sixers fan, you have to like not only hope for that, but expect that at this point. And, you know, in, every everyone has games where they're you know playing the hardest and you know the ball just doesn't fall their way a bunch of times. That's going to happen to everybody. But you, would need, you at least need to prove that, especially at this point in the series. If you are a team and you're up 3-0 and you allow it to go to a Game 7, that is, how do you expect a fan base to continue to have faith in you, especially before that Game 7, but for the rest of the playoffs, even if you win that game? You're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, what, are, what are we supposed to believe at this point? You know what I mean? So I, I think that that is the very least he needs to do, is to prove that. And, you know, it's an unfortunate situation for him, like we talked about, of just like this, this is all happening so quickly, him and Philly. You know, I'm just, I'm just my brain's still adjusting to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for that to happen... Um, it, it it's it's just unfortunate this is happening so quickly for him. But Harden needs to prove himself and he needs to do it right now. Really quickly, uh, we're running out of time on this episode. But speaking of someone who I thought proved themselves last year, but this year completely shocked me and not in a good way. I want to talk about Trey Young. Oh yeah, really fast because Atlanta is also now out of playoff contention. Uh, Miami with the gentleman sweep. Trey Young. I'm sure you guys have seen this stat on social media or at least heard about it, but he finished the 2022 playoffs with more turnovers than made baskets. Yeah. Ice Trey Young, New York's arch nemesis. <laughs> he was 2 of 12 from the floor in their final game. He shot 32% in the series over, overall. He's 0 of 5 from 3, 6 turnovers. He had 30 turnovers in total for the series, 22 field goals made. This is, I mean, this is a guy who self-proclaimed himself Ice Trey Young, and I guess now cold is not a good. Cold is like shooting cold, not like clutch. He needs some help. That's what I think. <laughs> just some help. He needs some help. Stop. What kind Get of some help? help? What kind of help? I don't know. I I just think Tell us, that Jack. I think that the Heat are okay giving DeAndre Hunter shots, right? Because if you shut down Trey, there goes your best scorer and your best playmaker. They mm-hmm. they need someone else to be a dependable scorer. And you know what? Hunter had a great game, put up 35 points, but they still lost. So I, I don't know. I know they, they added those guys in Gallinari and they, I mean, Kevin Herter, they signed to an extension, but I just think that this team is still missing something. And I think it's a little bit unfair to put it all on Trey Young. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, like that's the thing about the the Hawks for my money is that you know even even missing that thing, it's not like they lack talent. You know what I mean? Like you know, Trey can have a bad series or whatever it is. They they have a talented enough team. They proved that last year. Um, what they lacked specifically in this series is you know for one thing consistency. Obviously, they only win the one game, and it's with their backs against the wall. Um, in, in what you refer to as a gentleman's sweep, of course. I, I, I really like that phrase. Uh, <laughs> I, I said it just for you. It's, I knew you I, 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 I really did. Um, but, you know, also they just they just lacked discipline. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's the turnovers. He wasn't the only guy to turn over the ball, Trey Young. Uh, they let up way too many offensive rebounds, specifically in, you know, you know late in the series. It, it's just what happens. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's awful to see. And But, you know, if you're a Miami Heat fan, you know, good for you. Um but you know, you, you hope for the Hawks' sake that they're able to figure that out. It they obviously need another piece. I'm not sure what that is. Are you? Do you know? I'm not. But it's embarrassing that they. I'm looking at the the game five. Did you see Miami start? They didn't play with Jimmy Butler or Kyle no, Lowry. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't. And That's I rough. think I. To be fair, like we have to give a lot of credit to Miami for for pulling that off yeah. without your two and best Victor players. And Victor Oladipo. Well, Victor Oladipo went off. He did. He, did. In game he went five. off. It was Ooh. awesome. It was really cool to see. And he didn't play the first three games. Not one minute of the first three games. So to come off game four, he actually played really well too. And then game five to have a performance like he did, really cool for Victor Oladipo. But also, I, I think Eric Spolstra is a good candidate for Coach of the Year this year because he they had 23 different starting lineups throughout the season. That's crazy. And still had the Eastern Conference's best record. Mm-hmm. And now we see them in the playoffs. Two of their best players go down. They still find a way to not only get through the first round, but pretty much embarrass Atlanta. So I think that's that's solid coaching. And we want to talk about Boston's defense. Miami's defense is, is right up there. I know they had a three-point lead with under a minute to go in, in Game 5. And Atlanta had the ball then with 30 seconds left, and they couldn't even get a shot off. It wasn't even yeah. like they missed the final shot. They literally that could was not, some real shutdown. They defense couldn't right there. get a shot, one shot attempt, because of how good Miami's defense was. So I think I you can't talk about this series without giving Miami credit. Jack, you were right in my opinion saying that Trey Young needs help, but I also I just don't know. You need like, someone. What is it? You need someone a little better know. than the options that they have right now because that gap. <laughs> I don't know. Someone better. Yeah, just someone better. Ronnie just, James Jr. Oh <laughs> my goodness. Christ. Okay, so we're we're getting, we're we're getting away from reality right now. Um, last 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 I promise thing I want to talk about is really quickly the Grizzlies and Timberwolves series because in my opinion that's been one of the most fun series to watch and maybe that's just because of the players there, Anthony Edwards, John Morant, just these young exciting guys. Yeah. Definitely not the cleanest games, not the best basketball IQ games, but a lot of cool moments, a lot of viral moments. Um, And I really want to know who you think is coming out right now. The Grizzlies have a 3-2 series lead. Game six will be in Minnesota. Who do you think is coming out of this one? Give me the Timberwolves because they should have closed out. They should have. That last game. Yeah. And... I, I think especially with guys like Patrick Beverly and Anthony Edwards, that just adds fuel to the fire. So I I like them in Game 6. In Game 7, I mean, in any Game 7, I think it's, it's anyone's game. So I don't know. There's just something about Anthony Edwards. I told my brother before the series that this is when he emerges as a superstar because I really think that this league can be his. 
You know, I think that he can be one of those, you know, elite superstar level players. And I think we're going to get that type of performance in games six and seven. Yeah. He, he really quick, he hit one of the craziest three point shots I've seen in a while that I think there was like 3.7 seconds left. And he's like off the dribble, off the run, off one foot from the side. And it was crazy. Oh my God. That was insane. That's elite. Anyways. I elite. No, I mean, like, I completely agree with Jack here. I'm going with Minnesota in seven. Let's go. Yeah. No, there Same we go. Page. Let's yeah, go. Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> I, I love Minnesota's a great city. Shout out to Prince. Um, but no, I love Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota is a great city. So what I meant was (laughs) (laughs) Minneapolis, great city, Minnesota, home to Minneapolis. In case you didn't know, great state. Anyways, my point is, I, I, I think, you know, this is just a, this is just the kind of series that, um, it, it seems so obvious to say, but it's been so, you know, crazy and evenly matched. And you mentioned, you know, maybe lack of, you know, really cleanliness or basketball IQ, but who cares? I want to see buckets. And that's what we've been seeing. Um, it, in a series that is that intense and that crazy, the advantage always goes to the home team. So you got to give Minnesota that in game six. And then for game seven, it's anybody's. And if you're the Timberwolves, you have that kind of momentum going into that. Even in Memphis, I think they can pull that out. So, you know, um, it, to me, it doesn't even come down to a matter of talent. Like it's it's such a good series that it's just going to be a matter of momentum. I completely agree, and I think the interesting thing about these two teams is they're both extremely young, and I think we wanted to, we talked earlier about those teams gelling and developing. Like I think these are two teams that are one to three seasons away from making finals runs. Definitely, yeah. Like I mean they like they have guys in these teams that are the type of guys that you build franchises around and they're all extremely young, fun to watch and I think they're the epitome of where this league is headed. So I, I just just whoever wins that first of all I don't think is going to make it to no. the championship anyway, so kind of irrelevant, but really exciting to watch. There are so many other playoff <laughs> playoff matchups that we could talk about, but I'm going to end this episode for now right there. A lot of big games tonight as well. Warriors and Nuggets, Bucks and Bulls. Both those series, um, three and one, where I think the person who has the advantage is probably going to take that one. But Dylan, Jack, this has been so fun. So awesome as always. Love working with you guys. Make sure you check out Pick and Pod this week, next week, and throughout the NBA postseason and offseason. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.